0: Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in today for episode number two. We're in a conversation series called Uncommon, and this series is all about pursuing an uncommon faith through an uncommon Savior while living in a common world. Today, we're tackling love. What does it mean to be moved from a common love to one that's uncommon? And why does it start with us? Well, here we go. This is the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. I want to start today's episode by reading a quote by Dr. Rick Hansen from Psychology Today. He said, How did we evolve the most loving brain on the planet? Humans are the most sociable species on earth, for better or worse. On the one hand, we have the greatest capacities for empathy, communication, friendship, romance, complex social structures, and altruism. On the other hand, we have the greatest capacities for shaming, emotional cruelty, sadism, envy, jealousy, discrimination, and other forms of dehumanization and wholesale slaughter of our fellow humans. In other words, to paraphrase a Native American teaching, a wolf of love and a wolf of hate live in the heart of every person. Wow. And when I came across that quote, I was taken back. And even right now, I still am not sure what to say. So we should probably end the episode there. I think so. All right, guys, we'll see you next week. No, I'm just kidding. But man, what a quote. Dr. Hansen is spot on in his assessment of the human conundrum. While we have the greatest capacities to love, we also have within us the greatest capacities to hate. Just think about that for a second. The same mouth that can piece together beautifully spoken words of love can at the same time have the ability to speak destructive and damaging words of hate. The same person who can display genuine connection and appreciation can at the same time display pure and evil animosity towards another. You see, I'm a big fan of history because you can look back and see how our society has progressed through the decades. It's not hard to look at, let's say, uh, the last 100 years and know that our human capacities to both love and hate have been on full display. I mean, look at our capacity to love. Look at all the humanitarian efforts during this pandemic or any natural disasters or civil uproars or global crisis. But then also look at our capacity to hate. All the genocides throughout history, wars, discrimination and racism, and crime towards one another. How about this? Let's, let's take it to another level. Let's, let's get real. What about in your own life? I'm sure if we were able to take a moment, we could think of the many times in our own lives where we displayed love to one another, be it a spouse or a family member or a friend or a co-worker or even a neighbor. But I'd also bet if given the chance, we could think of times where we displayed hate towards one another, the kind of hate we would be ashamed of, the kind of hate that maybe we felt like was deserved, you know, the hate that we see across the world. Gosh, man, just as I was thinking that, I had like four instances where I allowed uh, the hate to take over popped up in my mind, and man, those are probably not my best moments. And I just keep coming back to this thought over and over again. It wasn't supposed to be this way. We can trace this condition all the way back to the garden, right? You you know the story. Adam and Eve, the fruit from the tree, they shouldn't have ate it. I'm sure there was a, another farmer's market around where they could have gotten any other fruit they wanted, Right? Uh, You have the part about the deceiving serpent, then you see the plan of salvation, then you see the banishment from the garden. I mean, you know the story, right? And if you don't, it's in Genesis 3. Go read it. Go check it out. Well, one chapter later, we see the first act of hostility towards another when Cain kills his brother Abel, all because he was jealous of his favor with God. Jealousy turned to hatred, hatred turned to anger, and anger turned to to murder. Let me say this again. It wasn't supposed to be this way. You can follow the same pattern of human relation throughout the rest of the Bible. Moments of love, moments of hate, rinse, wash, repeat over and over again. So Jesus shows up on the scene years and years later. And he's on a mission to get people to see that there is something massively wrong with the human condition. And without divine intervention, we're doomed. And not just like on this earth kind of doom, like, but also like eternity kind of doom. So Jesus heads up this mountainside and wants to get down to business with the disciples and, well, the several thousand others who were in attendance that day. And he starts teaching them about this Way of a new kind of kingdom, a kingdom that went against the grain of the world that the listeners lived in. Now, in the middle part of his teaching, Jesus begins talking about how we should love one another. And he says to the disciples that they've heard. Now, when he says this, what he's saying is like, you've heard this said before. Somebody has taught this. Maybe this has been permeating around your community. You've heard this said that you should love your neighbors and hate your enemy. Now, at this moment, the disciples and anyone listening would be familiar with this statement. It's based off one of the laws given in the book of Leviticus. The problem was that the first part of the statement is is actually factual. You should love your neighbors. The other part was interpreted. The assumption was loving my neighbors meant loving those who were near me or those who look, talk, think or acted like me. And let me add another category here, loving those who also love me back. If a person didn't fit into any of those slots, well, then it must have been okay to hate them because they were deemed an enemy. So Jesus says, you, you've you heard this taught, that is to love your neighbors, but hate your enemies, right? But today, I want to take you from the common understanding to the uncommon perspective. Jesus is getting ready to take them to the deep In here. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Now, to first century people, this was a big deal because they had a lot of enemies. I mean, you think about it, Rome and, and anyone who didn't live by their ways. So to be told that they had to go beyond loving those whom it's easy to love to also loving those who's not so easy to love would have been a very, uh, let's say, difficult pill to swallow. But do you see what Jesus is really getting at here? If you pull back the curtains and hear Jesus, here's what you would hear Michael paraphrase. It wasn't supposed to be this way. And without my help, you'll never change. Love isn't supposed to stop at the familiar. Love goes beyond the familiar into the unfamiliar. Love transcends the common into the uncommon. Loving people who are easy to love is only part of the journey. Loving people who are difficult to love is the apex of the journey. You see, we can't stop there and consider it done. Jesus is calling us to embrace the unfamiliar, to engage and love those who hate us, to engage in the uncommon love of our uncommon faith. So I want to talk through what I'm calling keystone behaviors that show themselves when we are embracing and engaging in uncommon love. Now, keystone behaviors are the things we do daily with intentionality to grow in our relationship with God and with others, friend or foe. I believe it begins with loving ourselves first. That's the first keystone behavior, loving ourselves first. We have to have the proper perspective about who we are in Christ before we can begin to love those who are hard to love. Now, if we were to go back to the story of Cain and Abel, you could infer that Cain's displeasure with Abel came from his displeasure with himself because he couldn't earn God's favor. Cain hated the fact that his offering wasn't as good as Abel's offering, it drove him nuts. Even God saw this and warned Cain that he needed to deal with his feelings about himself or sin would take over. Let me let me put this in a maybe a simpler way. Here's what God is saying, Michael phrase, hurt people, hurt people. I'll say that again. Hurt people, hurt people. People who are hurt and wounded either by someone or themselves tends to turn those feelings on others. Think about a time someone betrayed your trust. How did you feel? Maybe you didn't trust them again. But now, because of that, maybe you have a hard time trusting people in general. Why? Because you were hurt and you don't wanna feel that way again. Maybe you had a bad boss who treated you poorly or a spouse that was really mean to you and and things happen and the relationship is over. So now, you keep your walls up and you struggle with authority or relationships. Why? Because someone hurt you, hurt people, hurt people. God says to Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Cain, like God's like saying, like, all you have to do is love me and obey me and you will be approved. Your approval doesn't come from anyone else but me. And if I give you my approval, then you have my favor or better yet, my love. You see, the truth is loved people loves people. Loved people loves people. People who know that they are loved by Jesus, even when they are in sin, can love beyond their human capacity. Their love can transcend from the common to the uncommon. And if you don't allow God's love to give you the ability to love yourself, there's no way you'll ever be able to love those who are the hardest to love. Now when we're able to love ourselves we can begin to take the posture of this isn't about me. That's our next keystone behavior. That we take this posture of saying this isn't about me. It's a daily reminder that this isn't about ourselves. This is about what God is doing in us and through us. This keystone behavior requires humility in us. I once heard love described in this way. Love is desiring someone else's good. But you see, the problem is our pride. Pride gets in the way of our ability to take this posture on. Theologian Harry Ironside says that pride is the barrier to all spiritual progress. When I was in middle school, there was this kid that, I used, that, that used to bully me all the time. We lived in the same trailer park neighborhood, and like clockwork each day, he would come to make fun of me and make fun of our home, and, and on many occasions, he would physically bully me. One day, I actually stood up for myself and fought back and actually got him to leave me alone. Now, let me pause here for a little brief PSA and to say to the parents who are listening, I don't condone fighting, okay? Make sure you hear me say that. I don't condone fighting, but enough was enough. Now, several months later, he started showing up at my house asking to hang out. And I refused to because my pride wouldn't allow me to see past how he treated me. I was making it all about me. But here's the thing. When I let my pride go, we actually started becoming friends. And I learned that he was bullied as well. Remember what I said earlier? Hurt people hurt people. That's what happens when we begin to live out the it's not about me mentality. We help hurting people begin to heal. Now, another keystone behavior is find your uncommon. Okay? Keystone behavior, find your uncommon. Here's what I mean. It's easy to love people who look like you, think like you, talk like you, have the same and or shared life experiences as you but there's very little bit to benefit from. Jesus poses this question to the disciples. He asked them, what more are you doing when you greet your own people? Jesus seemed to find himself alongside of people who were different than him on many occasions, and he didn't shy away from it. He didn't only associate with similar people. He was intentional about finding people who were from different backgrounds, different thought processes, and different life experience. There are people who are showing up in your life that God has put there on purpose for a purpose. You just need to make a daily habit of looking up and seeing who's there and being intentional about loving them. Now, the last keystone behavior is cutting the string. Most of the time, we love people who love us back. It's easy to love uh, all those kinds of people because we get something in return. Our culture has created these uh, social contracts that are explicit in their structure. If you love me, then I will most likely love you back, right? But if you don't love me, then I don't have to love you back. And I might even hate you. But let's get back to that conversation Jesus is having with his disciples on the mountainside. He asked them, what good comes from loving those who love you back? Here's what I think Jesus is saying. You get what you paid for. If you attach strings to your love, then you're going to get strings. If you attach conditions on how and when you love, you'll get conditions on how and when you are loved back. So make it a daily habit to cut the strings. The uncommon faith will ask us to break these social contracts and embrace the uncommon love regardless if we get love back. If we're not loved back, we love. If we're hated, we love. If we're treated poorly, we love. If we're unwelcome, we love. Well, let me bring this home. I know that you might be on a walk or driving or at home listening to this and thinking, well, that sounds all good and fine, Michael, but uh, I'm not sure it's possible. Well, let me tell you, I've been in that boat. I probably will be in that boat. It's a thought that has crossed my mind many times to myself. Like, how in the world do I love this person who I can't stand or who I don't even understand. That's the whole point Jesus is trying to make. We can't do this on our own. We have two competing interests inside of us fighting and waging a war over our hearts and our minds. It's only in Jesus do we have the ability to love beyond our capacities. Jesus is saying you can't love someone who's different than you on your own. You can't love someone who hurts you on your own. You can't love someone who doesn't fulfill your social contract on your own. You can't, but Jesus can. It's going to take time. It won't happen right away. But let me tell you guys, if you stick with it and you follow him into the uncommon, he'll help you over time with the ability to love with an uncommon kind of love. Well, I want to thank you for listening today, and if this was helpful to you, would you do me a big, big favor and share this with others, especially on your social media platforms? Also, I would love it if you would go and provide a positive rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which will help this show reach more people. And that's the whole point about this. This is not for popularity or anything else. This podcast is all about people encouraging and inspiring every Christian to love Jesus and to live out their purpose in uncommon ways. Thanks for joining and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Uncommon Christian Podcast with Michael Hinton. For more information on today's topic, visit UncommonChristianPodcast.com.